Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Driving Them In with Jim Campanis, Jr. and my co-host, Eric Lenneberg. Eric, how you doing today, man? I'm doing great, Campy. How about yourself? I'm doing awesome. Uh, believe it or not, uh, this is already episode number nine in our fun little uh, new show that we've been doing for maybe the last, I don't know, nine weeks. Uh, it's so. been, wow. uh, it's been, flies when yeah, it's been, and, and by the way, uh, I know we say this every show cause we want to make sure people are aware that yes, the audio quality might not be studio because that's because I'm in my, uh, my 2018 Kia soul driving, um, East in my one and a half hour commute for my job in advertising. And this was a time when I, I, I might want to call my buddy Eric and just talk baseball to make my make my commute a little bit uh, a little bit uh, more manageable. They could make the time fly. And then our, our little idea was, hey, why don't we maybe figure out a way to have our friends come on and, and then we could turn it into a podcast. So here we are, driving them in, get it? Driving them in, baseball thing. Eric, right? RBI? That's right. At little double entendre. All right, anyway, uh, we're enjoying doing this show. We've had some really fun guests, very interesting guests. Uh, and once again, we look at this more of, and not that there's anything wrong with sort of, you know, day-to-day baseball talk. Uh, we love that too, and we support shows like Halo Heat that we were both on actually recently. Um, but the, right. but in which they, those guys talk about like the day-to-day stuff with the Angels, uh, specifically obviously Halo Heat. But uh, with this particular show, we, we get a little more like what we would call like topical. And um, when I say topical, uh, that is a, an example would be uh, Jeff Cirillo, my former USC teammate. Also, a 14-year uh, MLB All-Star. He was an MLB player and then an All-Star as well. Uh, and Jeff has, uh, and I call him Rillo. We always called him Rillo. Uh, Rillo has, or had, and still has the most uh, gigantic competitive streak of just about anybody that I know. And that is, I think, 100% of the reason. Now, we talked about it on this previous show uh, about how that competitive streak has served it very well. Uh, you know, as a baseball player, uh, and I felt the same way. And Eric, you played at a high level playing at Arizona State, and so you know how competitive baseball gets, uh, especially once you get out of high school. Um, and and that's what I think is interesting about sort of the the, the way we're doing the show. And today, um, I'm not going to tell you the full story because I want it to come from our guest Jim Henderson. And you're being you're thinking like. Wait a minute. Who? Who? That name sounds well. It's not the Jim Henderson who was in the big leagues a couple of years ago. There's another Jim Henderson, uh, who, if you're in the legal field in Los Angeles, you you might know him from being a uh, prominent attorney here now. But back in the day, he uh, originally attended USC, where he was kind of like my backup catcher as a freshman when I was a junior. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, Jim was super good, uh, super good catcher, super good baseball player, big dude. Um, and he, I don't know if you know this, Eric, but he had such good grades and a high uh, SAT that he was awarded like a, a presidential like merit scholarship where he pretty much had like everything paid for because of his academics. And what that meant was when he went to college, um, he didn't have to be a baseball scholarship. He actually had his own scholarship in his pocket. Oh, and, and was as good as anybody who was on scholarship. So what a treat it was when uh, he rolled up and, and, and Gillespie got to land him. Uh, but unfortunately, he had a redshirt, uh, injury redshirt year that year, medical redshirt with a with a bad arm. And uh, and once again, he was on the DL most of the time. But that was a benefit for me because I mentioned he was pretty smart. And um, I'm not dumb, but I'm kind of lazy when, when it came to school. 
and and uh, I really needed to stay eligible, and I'd be going on like you know ten day road trips while Jim was rehabbing back at at USC. So maybe I had him help me a little bit on some term papers, maybe, uh, and maybe he did that for 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 a fee, maybe uh, stuff like that maybe happened. Uh, but anyway, uh, Jim and I got to, to maintain our friendship. Um, and uh, well, and I you weren't wrote, the only one, by the way, when he was at Arizona State. I talked to Fernando Vina a couple of years ago, and Jim's name came up. And Fernando said that if, if not for Jim, he would have lost his eligibility. Yeah. And, uh, Jim was doing his papers or helping him write his papers and stuff. So, And Fernando and said Boone he wasn't would, the only one. And Brett Boone would have been ineligible if they weren't roommates, put it that way as well. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, Jim's a great guy. And, and again, I'm, I'm teasing this story here a little bit because it's extraordinary. And I wrote, I wrote his story in my book. And it's an interesting book. Thing because um, I, I ran into some issues, uh, let's just say some issues with this personality. I don't even want to mention his name because he doesn't deserve it. But this personality uh, was doing me wrong, and and I was doing a service for this personality, and uh, and and I was actually I owned I owned the property of what we were doing. I don't want to get into too many details. Uh, however, so so, but anyway, now I'm getting uh, I get a letter from an attorney from this personality, and I called Jim because I knew he was an attorney, but I didn't even know what kind. So I just said, "Hey, do you know anyone who does this type of legal work?" He goes, "Well, right. that's exactly what I do." And I said, "Well, I, I, could you write a letter back?" And we came up with this arrangement where um, that he that I owed him lunch for every legal thing that he did, and this was Jim's way of maybe getting us to kind of get back together and, and, and have a nice, you know, kind of, kind of, you know, kind of reconnect after all these years. And that's exactly what right. happened. And we've become friends and, and maintained our friendship now for the last several years. I think it's been, I don't know, it's been like the last eight years now uh, we've been reconnected and um, I you know, reach out to him all the time. And, uh, I, and anyway, but, but what we're going to hear about is an extraordinary circumstance where a guy does everything right, and then something happens, and and then and then what do you do from there? You know, what do you do when you get kicked in the balls and and you're laying on the ground uh, in pain, and do you just lay there for the rest of your life in the fetal position and give up, or do you come back swinging and against all odds persevere to to go on and be very very successful? Um, and I think we all can can understand this sort of metaphor whether you know we've literally been you know devastated uh you know with with something um whether it's you know emotional or physical or or both uh everybody on this planet i think goes through these sort of moments of life where you know you have to make a decision am i going to give up or am i going to keep keep going and uh, and that's what this show is about is about perseverance and and yes there'll be some baseball mixed into it but i think this is one again one of those you know topics where you know a lot of times baseball transcends life and, and a lot of times life you know mirrors baseball um and i think in this case there's a lot of that back and forth and maybe if jim wasn't a baseball player and hadn't worked his ass off to get to the top you know as a as a drafted pro player um you know, would he have been as as determined, um, what was that? Did that make him, you know, make him the, the the kind of person who could bounce back from something that happened to him, like what he'll he'll describe, or 
or you know, or was that like already pre like pre wired in his in his world? Like you know what I mean? I'm yeah. curious to hear kind of you know and. I know, Eric, we talked pre-show, and you don't know the whole story here. Is that correct? That is correct. I, I'm anxious to hear it. Yeah, and so I, I think this will be interesting. Jim's due on here in about uh, five, ten minutes. Um, and I don't want to belabor the point on, on, on what we're kind of dealing with here. But, but uh, you know, again, I think this is a, a topic that is, is relevant whether, you know, you're you're five years old or you're 105 years old. We all have our issues. You know, we all have um points of our lives where, you know, we, we don't see the light in the end of the tunnel because, you know, we're, we may be flat on our back. And I know Eric, you've had some you know health issues in recent years. And, and, uh, you know, and I, I, I still believe that I went through a, 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 a sort of a form of a post-traumatic stress disorder, um, when baseball ended because of the way it ended and, and how I just didn't get to fulfill this, this dream of, of actually putting on a major league uniform in a major league stadium and getting that major league at bat. Uh, I, I was in a major leaguer on paper, you know, I was, got, I was, I was a major league contract and that's cool. And I'm not, I'm not, not ungrateful for that. Obviously very grateful for being able to get as far, but you know, it's just that, you know, it's that still that competitive drive tied in with this, this sense of, um, you know, wanting to fulfill your destiny kind of a thing. Uh, and again, that's that's a, a a a thing where you know we all handle this kind of stress differently, you know. And yeah. and and again, some people can just plow right through it like it's not even there, like you know, like they're a hot knife of butter. And and other people, it takes a real long time, and all the variables of what that you know, what the main issues might be, you know, kind of lend themselves also sort of how how people can, um, you know. Like 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 persevere, you know, and and that's really the the topic of the show is perseverance, um, in life and and, and in baseball. So I, I think that that if you're a player out there or a, or a coach, you know, you're going to go through spells where, you know, and Eric, have you ever hit four, you know, like three cr- crush three balls in a game? When we're over for three, you go up for your last at bat, and you either decide to to, to say, you know. I'm having a crappy day. I haven't got any hits, and 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 you give up on yourself, and you go for four. Have you ever had a day where you're like, you know what, I, um, I, I'm hot. I did the ball just hasn't landed in, and you take sort of that positive approach, and then you get up there, and you might even get jammed and bleed one into the outfield, but now you're at least one for four, uh, and you technically technically had three great at bats that you got out, but then the one crappy at bat with a really positive attitude turned into a hit, right? And have you ever had days like that? Absolutely. And it happens to all of us. And, you know, a lot of our listeners and a lot of our friends are guys who uh, tried to play baseball and then when it ended, had a really hard time adjusting to life yeah. in general. I know I went through a period of time that was pretty difficult. You did too. And I think there's a higher percentage of guys who play baseball who get up to a certain level and you have your dream. And when you don't make it, it's, uh, you're not prepared for anything else, really. So right. I've known a lot of people. I've got a lot of friends who went through those kind of things. So it'll be great to hear Jim's story. Yeah, and I've actually I actually read a like a psych, psychological like like journal thing, like a story in a journal, and it specifically referenced that. And it, they're not saying that it's a like a like a like an apple to an apple, but it is the same species where you know losing a loved one uh, it, ha- it has similar implications to our soul as losing a dream. 
you know, so you could also look yes. at people who were aspiring actresses or actors or models or, you know, uh, basketball players, football players, even I would imagine aspiring doctors and aspiring what have you who just didn't make what, they're, what they wanted. They, they didn't get where they wanted to get. Uh, and, and now are, are settling in their minds, you know, on, an, on, other, on another career. Um, that, that kind of, uh, you know, that, that becomes an emotional scar just as much as, you know, losing a, lo- a loved one. Uh, and, oh, yeah. And many oh, yeah. Losing an animal even, you know, an animal that, that's just like a family member. So, um, again, these are things where, you know, I think a lot of guys who would, would have gone through the scenario that Jim went through would be um, – would have would would have given up, and um, and you know they may have found themselves years later on a disability or or you know um, in a really lousy place because of making that decision of giving up. And Jim yes. decided to pull up his pull up his boot bootstraps and and uh, you know literally one step at a time um, get to where he needed. And then, and then by the way, there's a really cool uh, additional piece to this. Uh, that that we'll talk about as well, and and we'll let Jim describe what what he's what what, is, what some new opportunities are presenting themselves uh, to him with some modern technology, and and I think this is a very exciting thing, and I've seen this also uh, happening with other friends, and again I'm 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 trying not to tease it too much, but but this is <laughs> this is what what you got to do because uh, the, the Jim's coming on shortly here. Uh, we we texted a little bit earlier. He's going to be calling here with you, but. Um, yeah, I think this will be an interesting uh, thing. Now, Eric, when you when you were you know when you were growing up, um, were there times where you were thinking about quitting baseball at any point? That, you know, maybe growing up were. a little bit. Yeah, actually were. Yeah, a couple times, only a couple. But uh, what 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 was the what was the impetus of, of it? Was it maybe a, a a jerk coach or or you know some something external, or was it something that you just got getting burned out? Well, like what was the basis of that? It was a combination of. Uh, I was on a losing team once. This is when I was in high school. Okay. And I only played, it was the only losing team I was on in my whole life. And, you know, we were like, at one point in the season, we were like 4 and 15. And, boy, it affects your play. At least it did my yeah. eye. As hard as I tried, it affected my play. My hitting was down. I was having a lousy season. And I remember thinking, oh, I'm not going to play. I'm not doing this anymore. I can't take it. So, got through the season. And then a couple weeks later, you know, summer ball started and everything started back up and I was on a winning team. So it made a difference. But I distinctly remember thinking that I was going to quit the game for good. Yeah. And I know that, uh, you know, that's one of those was moments in life where, you know, uh, you make that, that decision to quit. And it's almost like it's real tough to come back from making that decision. And I've had a number of my friends uh, over the years, you know, and some of them I even trained their kid or, or was part of their their you know kid's world because um, we we're because of our friendship and like that person decided to quit something in their life and uh, and they later regretted it and and I right. will I will say like even my own boys they both decided to quit um, baseball at a certain age in high school uh, one because it wasn't really his fault but they didn't he went to a music school they didn't have a baseball team. And even though we had, a, I did a ton of efforts to try to find teams for him. It's really hard to find a 16U team uh, that's not filled with high school players that you know, right. are on a roster. Um, so uh, by brought by by, and then you know later he kind of admitted, my son, you know, geez, yeah, I, I miss baseball. You think I could play in junior college? And I'm like, man, 
you haven't played since you were 14, it's going to be pretty tough. And, and, uh, and, and again, that's, that's one of those decisions that, you know, you know, with him, is it going to haunt him? Now, granted, he's an awesome musician and that's what he really wants to be and continues to study uh, music and perform it and write it and all that. So I think he's going to be okay because he sounds sort of like, like his other baseball is music, you know, like, right. like you know, another, that like his, his other passion. Um, but I, but I have a, a friend who's, uh, who's, whose daughter, you know, quit softball uh, in high school and, and was, you know, looked like she was going to be a star or, or potentially a star. Um, so again, we'll see how that kind of happened, but the magical ding came in a couple minutes. I, early. I, I, think, that, we, yeah. I think we have our guest, uh, Mr. Jim Henderson, everybody, Jim, how you doing, man? I'm good. How are you doing great? We have uh, Eric Lindenberg. So what we have here are two, three Sun Devils, but two Sun Devil baseball players and a, and a USC Trojan uh, baseball player. By the way, everyone, I did graduate from Arizona State after my baseball career was over. Uh, but I'm gonna, my, my heart belongs to the Trojans when it comes to baseball. Uh, but anyway, love to have you on, Jim. Thanks for being on, man. How you been? Um, I, I've been I've been okay. Um, right. Just just trying to you know grind it out here in the legal world. So. And uh, and we've talked, by the way, a little bit uh, before you came on, and we teased your story and uh, and and you know the story that that I pretty much wrote in my book. Uh, and I, by the way, I, I haven't told everybody the uh, the forward yet, the joke on the forward. I wanted to be on on that one, but um, uh, but uh, but anyway, I, the, the show today and, and you and I, Jim, we talked about this uh, when we 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 met up on uh, getting you on here is the, the perseverance that you've shown in your life is extraordinary. And, um, and, and, and I think that's something that is real important. This show is about baseball topics. And so we had one of our former teammates on, Jeff Cirillo, talking about the competitive drive. Uh, we had Coach Gillespie coming on about college recruiting. And I think what better person to have on to talk about something super important in the world uh, of athletics and life and uh, and that's picking yourself up when uh, when something's happened to you, and um, and persevering, and 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 beating, effectively winning, you know, the battle of of, uh, of 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 will against what really happens to all of us. I mean, I don't care if you're a baseball player or, or a nurse or whatever you do, um, you're going to get hit with junk in your life. You're going to get hit with stuff that you weren't expecting. Um, you're going to get hit with stuff that you expect to get hit with, and it'll be it'll be a harder blow than than you expected. Um, so, with that being said, first let me start off with the forward in my book because um, I promised my mom that um, I would write a book that was rated PG that had no reference to some of the stuff that she knew happened as baseball players when we would go on road trips or have late nights <laughs> and meet the ladies and things along those lines, right? So none of that's been born into baseball. However, the very first sentence in my book, and this is in the forward written by the illustrious Jim Henderson, is the first time I met Campy, he had a boner. But, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> that is the first line my mom read in my book, and she looked at me in horror. So I wanted to thank you again, uh, Jim, for that. That was fantastic. Uh, I, but no, I, not... <laughs> I, I was going to say, I... I the, the the look on your mom's face, the look that I imagine your mom had when she read that is worth, um, you know, I, I I don't care about the reception that the Ford got in the, in the literary community. It was the look <laughs> on your mom's face. 
<laughs> yes, and uh, and my dad also gave me this this look like like the WTF look. You know what I'm saying? Like like. Uh, <laughs> and I'm thinking, uh, okay, just keep reading. You'll you'll like it. But by the way, the 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 um the uh the the, the they, you'll have to read the forward. But it, it ended up I I asked him to write something uh, nice but bag on me at the same time, and he he nailed it. So. Uh, Thank you for that, by the way. And I did mention how you were uh, very integral, uh, important in my scholastic career as well, uh, helping, helping somehow, helping me get term papers that that, that had positive grades. I do appreciate, it. and Brett Boone probably as well. Is that, so that topic is not off limits. No, of course not, because uh, we no. would never. You know, USC would well, never be under on probation for anything, so we're fine. But, okay. Yeah, we're, I think we're past the statute of limitations on that one. So. Well, now, well, you would know because what you are currently, you are an attorney. That is something we did help, uh, um, hold back from uh, from our listeners, uh, sort of your after baseball profession. Um, but I think I think Jim, it's it's it would be good for you. I, I'd love it if you would be, you know, um, to kind of tell us. Now, now, let me let me set this up a little bit by saying we we talked about that you had like a merit scholarship and that you could kind of pick and choose what school you wanted to go to, and you came to USC. And you had to redshirt because of your elbow uh, being all jacked up, or your shoulder. I know it was your arm, and and um, uh, and then you you looked around and you were thinking, geez, you know, I I, I bet I could get better, you know, playing time uh, when I come back from this injury elsewhere. And and you, I, I imagine you looked around and you looked around, and and you came up with Arizona State. So what was, how did that choice come about? Well, I when I came out of out of high school, I had three, I, I went on three trips and I had three scholarships of various varying degrees. I had a half to Stanford. I had a, uh, a full academic to USC. And I had, I had a, initially had a full ride to Arizona State. And uh, that was before, before I hurt my arm. And I thought, and I was, being told by various scouts that I was going to go in the top two or three rounds. And so I thought, okay, if I, if I go that high, you know, I've got, it. I, I was sort of in a unique position among a lot of, a lot of my baseball peers in that I had a lot of academic options at various places. So I could, I could afford to take third round money or fourth round money, which wasn't a whole bunch of, it wasn't like it is now. Um, right. But you know, I, I know get that. a fifty, yeah, get a fifty or sixty thousand dollars signing bonus, and I'm off because I have an academic scholarship somewhere. So right. I, you know, I, that, that was sort of my plan. And when I told Coach Brock, uh, who was the coach at Arizona State at the time, it infuriated him that I didn't sign him. You know, it was National Signing Day, and he's sitting in my in my house with a scholarship, and I said, I'm going to wait. And so that scholarship went away. And so then I was sort of stuck between Stanford at a half and a full to, to SC. And my dad still worked for the government at that time. And, and even though he was, uh, you know, the head of the strike force, which is essentially uh, the head U.S. attorney out here, he put mafia guys in jail. He was making, I think, less than $70,000 a year at, 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 at the highest pay grade at, in, in government, which, right. you know, it's, it, it, it was 1987 at the time. So that's, it's, you know, enough to get along, but 
you know, Stanford is not a cheap place. And I was thinking he's no. still going to have to pay 15,000 bucks a year for me. And I felt right. guilty. I never told him that that's the reason I didn't go to Stanford, but I, that, that's the reason I didn't go to Stanford. So I went to USC because I had, the, I had the full academic scholarship there. Um, and that's how I ended up being a Trojan. Okay. And so then the next year, how did that change to, to become a, a Sun Devil? Did the, did the, did the, that scholarship, that academic scholarship, like transfer or something? No, I just, uh, you know, it's one of those things where I, I had arm surgery that year and redshirted, and, you know, I, I didn't have fun, and a lot of it was because I was hurt, but I, I just I just felt like I needed to change. There's nothing personal against anyone, against Coach Gillespie, and then they were going to, if you remember Danny Gill, yeah, um, of course. They, they were, they were going to convert Danny Gill to a catcher, and he he was a guy that was on a he was one of the few guys that was on a full baseball scholarship because you know you're cut you're usually cutting those up, uh, right? And and he was you know he had full everything, and I said okay they're using the full scholarship guy to catch, so they're not going to you know I, I felt like they weren't going to waste that one because I'm on the one hand it's great for it's great for a team to have a guy that's on a full academic scholarship because it's like a free, it's like a freebie. Free money. Yeah. But on the other hand, it's a freebie for them. They don't, you know, if I don't end up playing, it's no loss. If, if they're, if they're full baseball scholarship guy doesn't play that that's something they've lost. They've, you know, they've Correct. lost, you know, a lot. So I, I said, you know, he's going to get every opportunity on, and I'm not sure that I am. So I'm right. going to go, you know, I, that that's why I ended up at Arizona state. Okay. Okay. So that's interesting. I did not know that, um, by the way. So, so now let's sort of walk through your 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 uh, career at, at Arizona State. So I know, I think it was um, Health Healthston or whatever was there uh, for for a year or so before you got to get a lot of playing time. But eventually, you got playing time. And um, Eric, do you remember the GM for the Dodgers, Malone? Yeah, Kevin, sure Kevin Malone. Yeah. Yeah. So, so at the time when I was in school, uh, and when Jim was, uh, Kevin Malone was a scout for the Montreal Expos, and um, and I and he had actually talked to me like many many times, telling me that you know I was one of their, the top guys that they were looking at on the West Coast, and so did the Giants, and then you know they they would call you on draft, you know, a couple of weeks before draft, and would you sign with us, and, and all of that. Well, well, while Jim was playing at at Arizona State, Kevin Malone saw Jim hit. What was it, Jim? Eight of your nine home runs one year. He, he was there, something like well, that. Well, that was it. Was it was my, my senior year in high school, and Kevin was actually uh, a scout for the Angels at that time. Oh, okay. And okay. and it was it was literally something. It was ridiculous like that. Every time every time he showed up, I had a home run. So it was the Sunday draft started out. The draft was on a Tuesday, and Sunday he invites me to go to the Angels game. And we go, I, I take a tour of the stadium, I sit up in the press box, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, my God, I'm getting drafted by the Angels. And, of <laughs> right. course, I, I don't get drafted by the Angels. I get drafted by the Brewers in the 33rd round, I think, out of high school. So, yeah, I, it, baseball is one of those straight stra- – and everyone has that story, like the, some scout tells them, you are our number one guy, and then you never hear from that scout again ever. So, right. you know, right. we, we, Everybody's got one of those stories that played baseball. So, well, it, but then, but then uh, something happened where Kevin went to the Expos, right? And then you were at at Arizona State, 
and he got to see you play a little bit more often. Um, and then eventually he drafted you. Was that correct? Well, he, he I, I was undrafted after my senior year because mainly because my arm injury, uh, I, my arm never got better. It, it, you know, every as long as you don't, most people don't realize this. As long as you don't die on the operating table, your surgery is deemed a success. But ah. I, ne- I never, you know, I never got the snap back in my in my arm, and and I also kind of was a scatter arm after that. I, you know, I, I think it was probably because I I kept trying to get that that little extra juice back, and I couldn't, and so I probably was overthrowing all the time, and I was just I was in constant pain. I couldn't throw as well as I did. And I was thinking, you know, I kind of thought my baseball career was over, and I was sort of okay with that because, I mean, I was taking um, ty- like eight Tylenol a day during baseball season, you know, and, and I realized now that probably wouldn't have been good had I played four or five years in the minor leagues because I would have no liver. So Yeah, yeah. But I was, you know, he, I was up to 12 Advil. I know, I know. Advil will kick your uh, kidneys ass. Not your liver yeah. as much, but well, yeah, yeah, it was kid, yeah, kidney. Well, you know, just whatever internal organs I would have fried them. So right, <laughs> so, right. But he called, you know, he called me like the day after the draft and said, "We need, you know, we have a spot for a catcher and a designated hitter, you know, on our team in Jamestown in the New York Penn League. You want to play?" And I said, "You know," I said, "Yeah, I'll come up there." And, and of course, my mom's got to take me to the airport, and she's late, and we missed the flight, so I have to go the next day. Uh, uh, but I got I got up, which is not, not a great way to start off your pro career, but, you know, so right. be it. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you live in L.A., just tell them that. It was, it was L.A. traffic. I missed it. Sorry. Yeah, but you, I think you do. Yeah. So, uh, so okay, got, so you – go ahead. I was going to say, and so I got up there, and I and I played my one game. So – Okay, yeah, so I, so Eric Eric doesn't know this story by the way, and and uh, and again, it, it, to me this is so when you played your one game, what what were your what was your what were what were the stats of that particular game? I was, and I and I'm still upset at at Baseball Reference or whatever whatever they have or whoever's keeping score, because I'll tell you why. I was I was one for three with a walk. And uh, my one hit was a bases clearing double. And then I actually stole third base because no one was paying attention to me. And I never got credit for that stolen base. And I had like three in my entire career. And I wanted one of those. <laughs> <laughs> wanted that credit and I never got it. Those bastards. Okay. So, um, so then, uh, so, that, so did you guys win that first, that first game? We won. We won that game. Then we we had, we went up. We had a one game. Uh, we had a, a little went up to St. Catharines. I don't know. Do you ever play in the Penn League? I don't know if you ever did. No, I didn't. I didn't play up there. So we took a little little trip up to St. Catharines. I didn't play that game. And then we came back and we went out to dinner. And we were going back to our apartment, like the four guys in that apartment, because you we you know you get really luxury accommodations in A ball. Um, sure. And and the team trainer said, shows up at the restaurant and says, hey, there's a band playing across town. Um, I was here last year. They're pretty good. You guys want to go? And we, you know, we had an off day the next day. And we all said, oh, sure, we'll go. 
so we, we get in the car and we go over there and, we, and you have to get on the freeway and we went, you know, five miles across town and we get to the, the bar and it's closed. Band had to cancel. So the bar is closed. So we're like, okay, great. We're not, you know, not doing anything. That's fine. And it starts raining and we come, we get back, we, we, we go to get in the car. I win the paper, scissors, rock, and I get the front seat. So I'm happy. I got the front seat. Um, and we start going and it's raining and, the guy oversteers, the trainer oversteers the car and flips it over about six or seven times on the uh. freeway. And the the other four guys, in the, there were three guys in the back and the driver and me in the front. The other four guys get ejected from the car at 70 miles, or not 70, but like 60 miles an hour. Oh, so boy. normally, normal, and I'm the only, I'm the only one wearing a seatbelt. So normally in a situation like that, you'd have four dead guys and me being okay in the seatbelt. But instead, those four guys, they land, if you're, like, back east, instead of concrete in between the lanes of the, the directions of the freeway, you have these sort of grass areas. So they all land in this wet grass, and they skid, like, 100 yards. And one guy breaks a wrist, and one guy breaks a couple fingers, and two guys were relatively unscathed. And um, I stayed in the car and flipped over, and I got a compression fracture in my neck, the three, C345 just because the top of the car came down and crushed me. So so I was initially paralyzed from the neck down. And and I don't and all that all that I've just told you, I don't that's just been retold to me because I don't remember anything about the day. Um the only thing I remember I remember about a thirty second window and I'm in the in the in the ambulance going to the hospital and I wake up and I realized I'm an ambulance, and, I'm, and I and I remember thinking this. I remember thinking, "Wow, am I in a regular ambulance or am I or am I in a helicopter ambulance?" And then I felt us go over a bump, and I said, "Oh, it's just a regular ambulance." And I then I don't remember anything for like three days after that. So that's my one memory of the the, the time surrounding the event. And you know, three days later, I wake up in the hospital, realize I I can barely wiggle my left hand. I can't move just about anything else my dad's standing there and i thought that's weird because my dad lives in los angeles and i've got a neck brace on and i can see stitches hanging down over my eyes i said this is this can't be real good and so they you know everyone explained to me what had happened and it was a it was sort of a bizarre experience so well yeah it's a bizarre experience so then <laughs> so so you're laying there and so what 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 was your dad? I mean, I met your dad, and your dad's like, you know. Uh, and by the way, God, God rest his soul, wonderful man. And I recently lost him a, a little less than a year ago, I think. And um, but he was he was a straight shooter as anybody. What was his first sort of words to you when uh, when when you when you woke up and he saw you there? Well, he was. He didn't. He was sort of quiet about it, you know. How you feel? How's going on? What's going on? And the first thing I said is, "Is there a mirror anywhere?" And I see him look around, and there's a hand, and I see a hand mirror there. And he says, "Nope, there's no mirror." And I said, "I see it over there. Bring me that mirror." So he brings me the mirror, and I can I can hold it in my left hand, and I look, and my face is completely swollen, and I've got I've got a like it's like someone took a red highlighter from one ear across my eyelids all the way to across the other side of my face that was stitched up. And so they, uh, that's why I see the stitches hanging over my eye. 
and I had just little little like little cuts all over my forehead and face from apparently flying glass and I couldn't move I, that that cut that I was just talking about had cut the nerves to the to my forehead and my head on the right side so I couldn't move my I couldn't move my right eyebrow and I couldn't feel the top of my head so the only the only and I was you know paralyzed I couldn't move from the neck down so the only part of my body that literally felt normal was from about my just below my chin to just above my to my nose like about a four inch area of my body felt normal everything else was all messed up so it was a very it was a very weird thing and I had I had a, a weird like a, a a very rare type of spinal cord injury and it's called brown sequad syndrome and it's usually only seen in people with gunshot wounds and what it is is like is one half of your spinal cord is injured and the other half is not injured. So what that causes is, uh, for me, uh, for for my uh, in my situation, the right side of my spinal cord was injured. So the right side of my body, the muscles weren't moving at all. But and of course I didn't know this until the injury happened. Your sensory nerves come out of your neck and then wrap around the back of your spinal cord and go down the other side of your body. So on my left side of my body, it, I, it, it just felt like it was ringing, like my whole, it felt like the whole left side of my body is on fire, but I can start moving that. So I, I'm moving the left side of my body, but it's the nerves, the sensory nerves are on fire. On the right side of my body, it feels normal, but I can't move it at all. And I had no wow. idea what the hell was going on. <laughs> so... It, it, no, nothing's ever easy, and of course, trying to trying to process all that without, you know, with with having a concussion and not knowing what had happened for three days, it was it was really it took it took a while for it to sink in. And you were what twenty one years old at the time, Jim? I, I was twenty. I, I, I was actually older for an A ball. I was twenty three. I just turned twenty three oh, okay. at the time. So it was I was young. Now, what did the doctor say about uh, your you you particularly? And your and you were, if this wasn't you, like like what I remember, there was an, an actual line that I used that that I I got a quote from you. Uh, do you remember what that was? What the doctor said about you and your size? Oh, that's you know he said. Apparently, they, I had one of the worst neck breaks they'd ever seen, but I had. The doctor, you know, he was a spinal cord expert. He said that I had the biggest spinal column he'd ever seen in his life, and so that even though my neck my neck uh, break was was incredibly bad, my spinal cord had room to move around in there because it was so big. So he started. He told me he started using using my X-rays in seminars because there's it's the 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 process for treating spinal cord victims right after an injury has sort of been evolving over time and they and they used to just try to to make sure that they keep you alive and then they started trying to make sure that you retain as much movement as you can and and, and they and, and there's they try to keep the damage to a minimum because it's a very the spinal cord reacts like no other part of your body to injury it starts releasing chemicals and and does stuff that could actually inj further injure itself which is sort of it doesn't make a lot of logical sense, but it's just the way it, it goes down. So 
he said, you know, it was sort of a, he used that in my spinal, my uh, x-rays in, in seminars to say, I don't care how bad it looks, you, you know, you try to, try to keep them as, you know, try to, try to, don't worry as much about just keeping them alive, try, try to save their spinal cord. And, and, you know, so now, but the, the good thing about it is, when people say that, that I'm fat, I can just tell them, no, I'm, I'm big boned and I can actually prove it. So. <laughs> and I guess, if, and I think that's, that's uh, you know, in many ways, I think that's, that's incredible. I mean, you know, and I think this also lends itself to, to, to sort of the, the, the next step uh, was, you know, and we were talking about this and, and, you know, Metaphorically speaking, you know, we've all sort of been, you know, in a hospital bed. Nothing, I mean, m most people, nothing like with what you were sitting in a hospital bed. But metaphorically speaking, you know, we've all been knocked down, uh, and 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 we've had all the reasons to get up, and and a lot of people decide to stay stay down, uh, or 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 weak for a while or feel sorry for themselves. Did you have any feelings of, of feeling sorry for your situation? Here you are, a, a, a professional baseball player. You've had one game. Uh, you've had a, you had one great game, as a matter of fact. And then this happens to you. Was there sort of a, a moment of, like, why me, like, during this process? Well, well, the good thing for me was the, the, the answer is really no. And – and I think it was because I was lucky in that I started getting better quickly. Like when I, when I came in that, I went to, I was in Buffalo in the hospital and that was the regional spinal cord center for the United States for one of those four or five of them, but the, for the Northeast. And so like the first day of rehab, I, I'm in a wheelchair and they walk me in or they, you know, wheel me in and there's about 20 people in wheelchairs that are in. And the first thing I see is somebody that's learning to paint with a paintbrush in their mouth because they don't can't move anything. And I said, okay, a little perspective for me right there. I um, see. Okay. You know, and I started getting better. And then it, I was in the hospital there for six weeks, and I actually got a little bit of survivor's guilt that I, you know, one of those things I never knew existed at the time. But I literally came in there paralyzed, and six weeks later I was able to walk out. Now it wasn't it wasn't very good walking, but you know none of those other people not, like literally everyone else in that hospital was just learning how to cope with their wheelchair essentially, and to get you know to to cope with life on a daily basis and like you know I would see these looks these guys you know they they were happy for me but I could tell that there was just some some resentment when I'm you know. I'm in the parallel bars walking. And everyone's kind of looking around because they don't ever see that in there, and it was I, it was it was it was weird. But you know, I it 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 kept me from pouting because I you know I just had to get better, and I was you know lucky enough to have that chance, and I, you know so I I just kept working. The only time in that hospital I remember that I felt really sorry for myself was. It was after visiting hours on the fourth of July, and so it's it's up it's you know in Buffalo it didn't get dark till about nine thirty or so on the fourth of July, and I can hear the fireworks starting to go off and I can sort of see the explosions at the corner of the window and I can just I can't see any fireworks but I can see the light and the explosions 
So I'm trying to maneuver myself in my bed to get over to see the actual fireworks, and I can't do it, and I can't get over there. And I just started busting out crying, just bawling. All, and that was the only time the whole time that I felt sorry for myself, felt sorry for myself was because I couldn't see the fireworks on the 4th of July. So, yeah, but that, I think uh, you know, that, that's almost like the realization kind of sort of, you know, you realize for one moment or maybe for the first time that there was something that, that was going to be a, a challenge, you know. Uh, and, and But I guess my, 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 my biggest question really in, in this whole thing is like, you know, this, this show obviously is about baseball and, and, and yet we're talking about perseverance in a very different manner. But, but do you think that the, the all of the work and, and, and training and, the competition. I mean, you you were you were playing with like like half the guys on your like summer ball team, so we're all wound up being major leaguers, like 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 Lieberthal and Cirillo and and, and you know Damon Buford and, and all these guys, uh, you know, out there in the in the Westlake you know, Valley area where you grew up. Um, do you think that that you that, that you being like sort of the ball player mentality was a was a help in, in this rehab that that hit you? Well, I, I do. I do, but I also I, – I, one of the regrets I've sort of had is I wish that I knew I had this drive in me earlier because when I, when I, until I was 18, I, I had a pretty charmed life. I, 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 I was valedictorian in my high school. I didn't study a lot. I had a dad who could afford to come home and, and throw 100,000 batting practice pitches to me, and I was pretty good. You know, I, you know, I was good since little league and good in high school, and and I, it, you know, I thought I worked hard, but I didn't realize until I broke my neck that oh, I could have worked a lot harder, and that that sort of it sort of got to me like, you know, had I worked harder when I wasn't paralyzed, I might have never been in the position of being paralyzed. So it was sort of, you know, that that was my big regret. Okay. That, Jim, that, when did that's you, uh, not what I would expect. Go ahead, Derek. Go ahead. Yeah, Jim, what, when did you think about baseball at all, or did you think about, am I ever going to play baseball again, or anything like that? You mean when I was in the hospital? Yeah. Well, I I, I thought I, I was trying to do these projections, like, okay, I, I you know, they they would do these tests to see how much you're – you've improved, you know, from day 13 to day 17. I'm like, okay, I've done, I've improved 2%. If I can just do that for, you know, the next year, I'll be good enough to go to spring training next year. And then, you know, there there can be a time after about four or five months when I realized that, you know, this is, I'm not going to play baseball again. But I'm going to be a functional human. I'm going to walk around people are people probably aren't going to be able to even tell what's wrong with me unless they're you know unless this is their field and they understand exactly what's going on right. but i was i knew i i knew i knew after about five or six months that baseball was not going to be in the cards so because right. my 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 right shoulder i i still can't throw a baseball because one of the side effects of 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 spinal cord injuries you have extra tension in in the muscles because it's like a human. It's like a natural reaction when you have when you have an injury like this. Your body keeps your muscles just extra, a little extra tight, so it can sort of protect the protect the joints and protect other parts of your body. So I'm stiff on the right side, so it's I, it's hard for me to throw 
it, it's hard for me to run. I, you know, I, like mornings, mornings are a bitch getting up, but you know, but it, it, it's a hell of a lot better than it could have been. Right. That's a great way to look at it too. It is, and uh, and that Jim, what what this is, I think another interesting part of the story because I, I don't know what I would do. Um, Eric, this was a trainer was driving the car. The trainer, who was employed by the Montreal Expos, um, what happened, Jim, when you went to submit that workers' comp claim? Well, we got these workers' comp lawyers in New York, and they basically told me it was a slam dunk, and that I was going to get, you know, like workers' comp is a very specified field of law. You know exactly the kind of money you're going to get, and I was going to get a hundred and thirty-five thousand dollars. And I said, that's that's you know, I'm going to law school. That's that's a nice check of change. I can, you know, that's back in '96 or '95 when this was all going on when the workers' comp action was going on, I, you know, I, I think I, I can buy a car and I can buy a house and I can, you know, do lots of things. And I lost the workers' comp case because they ruled that even though, even though I was out with the team trainer and, I'm, the, you know, the, the team had shipped us out to a place far from home that theoretically it wasn't a team activity. Now, like, there's, you know, we can get, we can get into... We can get into legal. Oh, sorry about that. We can get into legal BS, and I think it was a bad ruling. But you know what? So be it. Wow. And uh, what did the expos do uh, next? By the way. Um. Well, the expos didn't do anything. They they you know I got a call from I got a call from the GM one time when I was in the hospital, and or it was director of player development or something, and I was expecting them to say, you know, sorry, Jim, hey, you know, how you doing? You know, sorry to hear what's going on. And it got to be sort of a, I, I you know, I, I've been around lawyers my whole life, and I realized he was trying to figure out exactly what their exposure was. And I was right. not happy. I was oh, not man. happy about that phone call at all. Um, right. And then, Ke- and then Kevin Malone called, and, and I'll always love Kevin Malone. Kevin Malone called, and I don't. I'm not sure exactly what he said during that phone call because he was bawling the entire phone call. So, you know, he he's he's a really good guy. You know, he 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 took he, he took a, 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 some unfair criticism here in Los Angeles when he was a GM, but he's he's a good dude, and I you know I always respect him, and I'll always remember the phone call where I couldn't hear him say anything. So. That's really cool. I guess my point in that was I wrote you, you had mentioned when I was interviewing you for the book that uh, you were laying there in bed and got a letter uh, from the Expos releasing you from your contract. Is that is that accurate? Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. I, I got a, I got a. It was actually when I after I got home over it was over the winter, but I got a form okay. letter from the Expos and I said you could at least put something in there. Sorry about the accident or something. Right. Something. You know? Oh man. <laughs> Sorry, you oh, broke your neck. <laughs> well, I know. I mean, well, now, Jim, you're an attorney now, right? Now, don't you think that that you know the way that the world has changed, like especially in the world of, of litigation, that uh, that something, you know, even a even a you know some kind of a um, I don't know some kind of a, of a package could have been created to shut you up? Like, isn't that how things are done now? 
uh, versus you know maybe even a preemptive uh, uh, that, that that like that call from the GM or whomever could have even been something about you know uh, you know, making sure that you're taken care of or or you know it wasn't there because there's a guy that won the Jim Henderson Award at Arizona State. Do you remember? Do you know that guy's name? The uh, the, the kid who's a scout now. Oh, Corey Hahn. Corey Hahn. That's yeah. right. And so, yeah. in case you didn't know, Eric, uh, there is a Jim Henderson Courage Award that is given to the players, the, the Arizona State baseball player who shows the most courage uh, during that particular season. And Corey Hahn, of course, slid into second base uh, head first and somehow uh, became uh, paralyzed from that from that uh, that, that slide. Uh, and again, through through perseverance, he's been able to. Um, become a scout, and, he, and I actually met him in person. He was scouting a game at, uh, at the Diamondbacks. He, he works with That's the Diamondbacks. That's right. I met him. I think that was the same night you and I went there, Jim. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, so that that's uh, that's interesting, Jim. And, and again, so then now let's let's go to the for the to after now. You're 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 in Arizona. Uh, now you're starting law school at this point, right? You'd already graduated, so now you're you're going to start law school. Uh, and you're going to rehab. Was that was that sort of the reason that you wanted to to go to to go to Arizona? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. I got out of when I got out of the hospital. I came home and I came home to LA to rehab. And this was trying to put the dates together here. So I I, I get I get back home in August. I think August of that year. I think it's ninety three. That yeah, it's ninety three. And so I'm, I'm rehabbing it. I'm rehabbing at home. And I figure, you know, I guess I'll just go to law school, and I'll probably wait a year and a half and go to law school, and, and wait, to, you know, until I get good enough to go. And the first month of rehab is spectacular in LA. And I and I said, and I said to my dad, you know what? I can go next year. And we sort of looked at each other. and said, I wonder if I've missed all the deadlines to apply. And we realized I, I looked at a bunch of schools, and the only two places left to apply to were Arizona State and UCLA. And so I went and I went and I took and I took the the LSAT and I, I I still I could I could barely hold the the pencil with my right hand, which is okay because it's multiple choice. So I'm like, okay, this will be easy enough. And then I get to the section. I don't know if you know like those concentric circles where you have to say like Jim's flying on a plane to Toronto. And Eric is flying on a plane to Chicago, and they both need to go to New York, but they can't fly together, you know, past four o'clock on a on a Saturday. So you have to draw these circles and, and figure out, you know, which one fits in what what category. And I realized I can't draw any circles, so I'm trying to figure wow. out this thing. So there were six sections on that, and I, you know, finished five easily. And then the, that sixth one, I I got about I think I did 15 of the 25 answers and I realized there's 30 seconds left so I started just making a pattern as, as I go for the last 10 but I still got <laughs> I, I, I still got a, an essay an, L, an LSAT score over the average for the UCLA grad for the UCLA entrance so my my grades are above average and my LSATs above average I figure and then I had a pretty good story you know for my application I'm like I'm gonna get in and I don't get into UCLA and I got into Arizona State so I had I had two options and one and UCLA didn't want me, so I went to Arizona State. Well, you're lucky to not to be a Bruin. We never, we could probably be friends anymore. So that's, <laughs> that's good. So, okay, so so you're now. How long does it take typically for for law school? Two years, right? No, law school is three years. Three years. Okay, so then, 
uh, during that time, I assumed you continued to rehab at, at, uh, in Arizona then? Yeah, because I had, I had a bunch of doctors I knew from, from school because, you know, I was soon to be hurt all the time when I was playing baseball. So they set me up with, a, with some really good re- at a good rehab place, and I rehabbed. And I, I went probably three to four times a week, and then I also went to the gym on my own, I was I was really diligent about that. I probably went four or five times a week to the gym, so I was probably getting a good ten workouts a weekend during law school. And then the last so the last day of law school, day of graduation, I went just sort of like to to say sayonara. Went for my last rehab session that day, and that was it. No more rehab for me. I had I had enough. So about about almost four years of rehab. So I, I've seen how far you've come, uh, and, and I'll just tell people, you know, so the first time I saw you after the accident, it was it was several years later when we had reconnected, um, and, and we were we met for lunch. And I think the only thing that I saw was um, that when I went to shake your hand, it took you a second to sort of raise it, and, and you told me, you know, you, you had mentioned that, you know, the bunching of the muscles and so on. Uh, so that was really my, my only thing. And then I noticed you know, um, you had just a little slight drag, uh, not bad, just a, a little slight cadence in your walk that was different than when I saw you, when I knew you before. Um, but the only time I, then when we ate, I noticed you ate left-handed. Um, is that, that's still, that, that's a byproduct of your, of the injury. Is that correct? That is, that's correct. Cause my, you know, I, I it's my, my shoulder, like the weird thing is like my, on my right arm, my tricep is probably like 90% of what it was. So, I mean, I, I can go in there, uh, and I, I, always give, I always give them shit about this. Uh, about a year and a half after the accident, I'm, I, I went to the gym with Matt Franco. Um, okay. And we're working out, and I'm, I'm doing tricep pushdowns more than he is. And he just, <laughs> he just, just kind of looks at me, and he walks away with his head down, and he just says, the paralyzed guy is beating me on the triceps. So, but, but my bicep is like 10 or 15%. I can, I can curl like seven pounds with it. So, you know, it's just like all, all different. It's just muscle to muscle. Everything's different on my right side. And it's just, it's just one of those weird side effects of the accident. So, but I think, you know, what I guess my point in in bringing that up is that, like you said, if, if I saw you just walking amongst a, a bunch of people, and I didn't know who you were. I didn't know your backstory. I would just think you're just another dude. You know, you don't. I mean, so so to come as far as you came, uh, and to work as hard as you worked, and also I think now in, in light of hearing, you know, a, a more elements of this than than you and I have talked about even personally, you know, I think that the the uh, the concept of you know persevering, it's almost a daily thing, isn't it? For it was it would have to have been for you like almost a daily motivating thing to 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 continue to, to work out. Is that, is that kind of a good summation? Yeah. Especially, especially when you're still getting better. Cause they, the, the doctors would tell you, doctors told me, you know, you usually get, you get, if you're going to improve, it's going to be primarily in the first six months after the accident. And then maybe for another year, you can still see some improvement. And that's usually it for most people. But I was actually for, you know, they're for, for about three years, I would still see improvement all the time. And that was, you know, that's, that's literally your best motivation is, is the continued okay. improvement. So, um, you know, it was, 
after about three years, I sort of felt like I had reached a plateau, and I, you know, I, it's good. It was going to take new technology for me to get past that. But uh, you know, I, I I did see improvement for about three years, which was which was cool. Well, you just brought up new technology, and I, I will tell you real quick. And, and Eric uh, and I, I have been on shows with um, the people from, uh, you know, the Association of Professional Baseball Players. And I'm not sure if you're a member, Jim, but uh, you should be because that's an organization that actually can help you. You played your day uh, in the minors. You are eligible to be a, a, you know, a former minor league player. Uh, pay the dues because what they've done is they partnered with the stem cell. Uh, a group, a group, a company that uh, helps, you know, and there's a, there's actually a grant that's out there, but you had made mention, I saw on Twitter, where you call it version 3.0, so I assume version one was the old baseball player, Jim, you're currently version two, and now you're talking, you're saying that the stem cells can create version 3.0, uh, tell us a little bit about, like, what, what you mean by that, and what, what potential, uh, you know, opportunities lie in this, like, new thing of stem cell research. Well, I, I've sort of followed stem cells since since they became a thing, um, and people were talking about all these all these great things you can do from the you've, you know with them, make new organs, repair re- repair neurons in the brain, um, and and repair spinal cords. And it's been sort of a slow go. And and in recent years, they have been testing testing stem cell transplants or I don't, I don't know if transplant's the right word. Stem, stem cells on on victims of spinal of spinal cord injury, but only in the first 48 hours after injury, because that's when right. like lots of things are going on in the body, lots of things going on in the spinal cord, and, and so and and then you know it was it was helping people, but they they weren't testing on long term people, long term survivors at all. So I, I I said okay, it hasn't come to that stage yet, and I just recently saw where they some guy had been paralyzed for 20 years and they they gave him you know, some stem cells in his spinal cord and a few months later he's doing military presses of not you know not huge weights but like he had moved his arms in 20 years and he's now doing military right. press um and and then i saw i actually saw on that website on the on the friends of professional baseball players or something like that where they're doing they have a they're giving guys stem cells for a lot of for back pain and that kind of stuff, but I noticed where they're talking about doing it for long-term um, spinal cord injury survivors. So I'm, I've started that process to see if, if you know, they will, you know, I am eligible for something like that because a lot of times they're concerned. If you're pair up the neck down, they kind of figure, what do you have to lose if we stick it in there? Stick a needle right. in your neck and. You know, and, and I'm and my my biggest concern is that they're going to say we you, it's too risky because you know you walk around and you're fine you can you know drive home you can eat with you know you're married you can eat with with your family you know we don't we don't want to risk having something negative you know come out of this so uh, you know I'm still I'm still looking into that but that would be great because just a little more just a little more freedom and movement would mean the world to to me and probably to any other spinal cord spinal cord injury survivor it's one of those it truly is one of those injuries that you're in this unique club that you never wanted to be in but the only people that can really understand it are the people that have the same kind of injury because it's right. you know it, it it's it's hard to say you know you know i i can't move you can't move your leg you know people wake up and and 
and you know they slept wrong and also you know their their legs numb for a second or they you know they they slept wrong in their arm and they can sort of imagine it but it's the terror of imagining it permanently that's the real you know the difference absolutely well actually and and so in that in that same sort of line of thinking um there's a guy named Micah Bowie actually he was his character is you know what was in that movie the rookie uh, about the you know the guy who came back to pitch when he was in his 30s or whatever yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And so Micah um, had some kind of a weird, like like a weird accident or weird injury, and um, it, it, it ended up causing his diaphragm to be messed up, and and he, he couldn't really breathe without help anymore. And it got to the point where he was sort of at at, at, at knocking on death's door, um, and they had through this brother, you know, through this brotherhood of of this association. Uh, found some doctors who could help him not just with the diaphragm but also with stem cells, uh, and and he is now not necessarily out of the woods, but he is drastically better than he was uh, just just a few months ago. And then another guy who was a former pitcher who was dealing with like like mega back injury issues, uh, he just had a stem cell thing for the for his back injury, and um, and. He just made a comment that after you know, three weeks, he could already feel massive improvement. So, and I, I hear what you're saying. Like, you know, when I had my eyes, uh, both, I had two cataract surgeries, and uh, but I still see like a little bit of, of, of issues on my left one. And I, I told the doctor, like, you know, is there? Hey, well, oh, there's a, we can you know, go and do a quick laser thing, but there's one in like 10 million chance I, that you know we we can you can go blind from it. And so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do it. You're just gonna have to deal with a couple of lines every now and then when you're driving at night. And that's how, and I mean, that's how these doctors roll. Like you don't, if there's even a, a slight chance of major damage, they're, they're just going to recommend against it. So are you concerned that that could be a deterrent from these doctors or, or could there be another place to inject stem cell or does it have to go right into the injury point or like, do you, have you researched this any deeper? I, 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 you, you've now, you've now gone to the questions that I don't know the answer to at this point. So I'm waiting okay, to hear. Gotcha. And I, I, I think you're, were you talking about, um, when you're talking about the, the baseball player with the back injuries, are you talking about Mike Rossiter? Yeah. Yeah. He's another client of mine, by the way. Um, really? yeah. And, and he is, he has set up a phone call for me with the, those guys are supposed to actually call me tomorrow. So awesome. So we'll, that we'll was see. set up. We'll, that was set up through the baseball association, by the way. And uh, so I might have and, to actually and, sign up and become a member. So it's it's forty bucks. I don't know if you can you know find that in your lawyer's salary, but you know forty bucks, and it's tax deductible, by the way, too. So uh, <laughs> you might want to do well, that. Just just make it. <laughs> well, I need I need clients that pay. Unlike unlike you know Jim Campanis, who uh, you know I take oh, out. Oh well, no, but I would take you to lunch. You, you would you would spend forty fifty bucks at lunch because I I'd, I'd have to take you to the best place in, in Santa Monica. You know. Oh, by the way, and I told Eric. Eric knows that our little the reason that you and I connected again. Um, do we do we dare tell that story right now? Well, I mean, we can. We can tell it all. I mean, this can we is my say only it without ca- saying it. Can we say it without? This is saying my only. It? This is my only caution to you. Is it? Let, let's say that you talked about. I mean, I, 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 your, the the party on the other side of, of our dispute seems like he is petty enough that even if we 
said exactly what went on. It was exactly the truth. He'd sue you for slander or something. Do, so do you agree as with my that? attorney, you're 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 recommending against this. Uh, yeah, I, I am. Okay. I, I mean, it, it, it's a good it's a good story, and, and you know, it, let's just say it involves a beloved baseball character who is beloved to the masses. But if you're actually in the game of baseball, there's a lot of people who just despise him. Yeah, you know what? I know who you're talking about, and I've had several encounters <laughs> with him over the years, and they've never been positive. I, I yeah, got nothing nice. But to my say favorite about part of this, Eric, my favorite part of this, Eric, is Jim's dad was involved with that character 20 years before that, and that was really the reason Jim said, "I'm doing this," uh, because that guy was a was a so and so to my dad as well uh, on a totally separate and different time period in life. Uh, and, I, and I guess some people would call that karma. You yeah. Know? So, uh, well, well, let me, let me tell, let me reveal that story without revealing the name. Okay. So that was classic, classic. So back in the day when my dad was the head of the justice department out here, they'd have these functions where they'd have like the mayor would be there and, and the U.S. attorney and the governor and whoever, and he had to go. And this, uh, our beloved baseball player, or not baseball player, but baseball entity that we've been speaking of comes to speak at this thing. And he comes down, he meets my dad, and, you know, it says hello. And my dad, my dad actually played pro baseball in the, in the world's organization, so they talked a little bit about pro baseball. A couple weeks later, my dad's in this Italian restaurant, and I forget where it was, somewhere somewhere downtown, and and our, our esteemed baseball entity is, happens to be in the restaurant and sees my dad over there. And he says, hey, Jim, how are you doing? Why don't you come over and sit with us? And so he's at a table of about six guys. And so my dad comes over there, and, you know, they they have a bunch of stuff. My dad's not a big drinker, but they, you know, they get a bunch of bottles of wine. They, they're there for a couple hours. And then the guy leaves, and two minutes later, um, the waiter comes and gives my dad the check. And this is when my dad's making not a whole bunch of money, and he's got a check for $1,000 that he's got to pay after the guy walked out on it. Yeah. You know, I think it was early 80s, but, you know, still, that's a a huge bill for a guy that's making, you know, he's probably making $60,000 a year at that point. That's the cost of a new car probably back then, right? Right. But, you know, he, he he paid, but he was always pissed at, at, at our at our baseball entity after that. And so when 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 we had the time, you know, to when when Jim told me about, it, I said, "I'll take this one." <laughs> awesome, awesome. Yeah, and someday, uh, some someday somehow we'll have to. Uh, that might have to end up in in the born at the baseball part two or so, whatever you know that. Someday, but uh, I think I'm going to take my lawyer's advice and keep that one under wraps until. Uh, and by the way, all of the, um, the the statute of limitations are over on this one, right? Right, right, counselors. I'm, I'm going yeah, that, there. that's why I said the only thing left for him to do would be to sue you for slander for for mentioning his name and saying what a bad guy he really is, which God he is. is. <laughs> okay, but but that's not slander if if I can if enough people can prove that. That it, that it that he is a rotten guy, then then it's not slander. Is that? I mean, I'm not a lawyer, but I play when I work. Well, it's it's the classic. The truth is always a defense. So 
Yeah, and and opinions are protected. You can say, I think so-and-so is a piece of garbage, and, and that's not, you know, that's not slander, but, you know, he would he would argue that elements of the story that you've told about him are untrue, and therefore it it casts him in a bad that's, light, and you you are guilty of slander. So, and and you know what? I don't have uh, a Dodger suite that I could pay a whole army of attorneys uh, for their for their uh, fee, uh, you know, against their fee. So that that's another reason that uh, I'll just leave that one alone. How's that? Let let that go to bed. But, Someday, uh, and hopefully sooner rather than later, we'll be able to speak with impunity <laughs> about this. <laughs> I'm, and I, we might have to even start, hold a press conference. By the way, when that happens, we might have to just call out. I want to be there. Call for out that. All, all of our resources, Eric. You might be. You, you need to be the moderator for this one. Yeah, absolutely. You know, can, can it be I like one no of those glory? Yeah, believe me. It'll be like a glory all red news conference. I'll just. I'll just. <laughs> exactly. I'll, I'll just just like just that. Per- just like that. Yeah, yeah exactly. I'll just parade all, all parade all of his victims out there and talk talk shit about them. <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome. That would be awesome. Well, Jim, first of all, can you just just in closing, I appreciate you being on the phone with us so long. It's it's uh, it's been an, your story is a perseverance is in my life. I think the greatest of all. And it's also because you've kept a great attitude. You've kept your your your, your sense of humor. Um, you you've actually, I think, uh, grew. You know, uh, through this, in, in such a way where you know, um, you've become. I'm not saying you were a dick or a jerk or ever like nothing, but you. I think this is like when you say you're Jim 2.0. I, I think that's also, in, in some ways, in many ways, like like. A, a, you you become a better man from dealing with the, some of these setbacks because you persevered through this, uh, and I and I really feel like this call that you're going to have tomorrow with uh, with Rossiter is going to you know is going to propel you I think um, to even greater heights that this this stem cell thing can can take. You know we might be playing racquetball next week. Who knows? I mean you know. So well, I mean I, I, I I'm looking forward to that. Well, a, a lot a lot of people would say that I'm the same asshole that I've always been, but uh, <laughs> I, I I'd like to think that that there you know there, there's some positive aspects you know about this. I, you know I I I think I'm a little wiser and I think I'm a little more measured in things because of it. You know I, I it, it, it you know it gives me a little more perspective on life. I think you know that that a lot of people I, I probably you know something that I might have had at 25 that most People don't get until they're 30 or 35 or 40, depending on on what they're doing. Um, but you know, I, you just you just live and learn. It's I was lucky enough to have an opportunity to get better, and I didn't, you know, I didn't get to the point where I was playing baseball again. But you know, life's pretty good. Well, and by the way, Jim, the, the key that, that you said earlier, really the same asshole. You're you're just a smart ass. Uh, and, and by the way, it's always better to be a smart ass than a dumbass. That's that's always been my feeling. And uh, you've always been like one of the smartest dudes in the room. And uh, and uh, and I and again, I, I to me, you know, I, I'm I, I'm very grateful that we be, we you know, we've been able to reconnect and that we're friends. Um, and 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 I'm really you know excited to hear about what's uh, coming around the corner here uh, with this new technology. And I think if stem cells are where they're at today. You know, where are they going to be at in five years and ten years with all the other technology that can, you know, move this process along? 
So, uh, you know, definitely we're going to keep our uh, listeners up to speed and uh, with the, with your progress. And uh, I'd love to hear like sort of, you know, what, uh, you know, what, where you, where you're going to be next. Cause I, I, we also need someone, Eric and I, you know, we're going to, we're going to start a 50 and overs baseball team and, and we're going to need a backup catcher. You know, uh, you're going to bat the, <laughs> now actually you're the starting catcher. I don't want to catch anymore. You can be the starting catcher. I'll go play third or something. And, uh, but uh, no, I, I think we're we're uh, we're 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 really excited to hear about this, you know, potential, you know, like sort of round of, of improvements. Uh, again, um, if you could, if you could, um, you know, if you could, let's just say, what what would be the first thing if you could sort of gain, you know, uh, a little bit more mobility? I mean, what what would be something you'd be interested in doing? What, what, are, there, are there some activities you you, you kind of miss or wish you could have gotten into um, and, and just couldn't because of your injury? Well, I'll, I'll tell you, I played basketball in high school and, and I knew, you know, I, I was a six, four power forward that could only dunk if I had stick them on my hands. So I knew that <laughs> like that, I, I, I knew basketball was never in my future. I mean, I was, I was a decent basketball player, but I knew I was, I was never going to play college basketball or anything, but it was a great, and probably because I didn't have that pressure, like baseball, there's a, there's pressure on you know when you're growing up and you think, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna get drafted, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna get a college scholarship. There's pressure when to perform. There wasn't any pressure on me for playing basketball. So I would love I'd love to go out. Even when I was at SC, I would go over to the gym and play basketball for you know an hour. Just just to, it was a great activity. And it, if if I could get to the point where I could just go and just shoot free throws. You know that would be awesome. Yeah, that would be great. So, uh, well, Eric, Sun, De- Sun Devil, Eric, you got any uh, final questions for our, uh, our Sun Devil Jim here? Uh, well, yeah, I would ask him something about our former coach, but I don't. For the same reason, we're not mentioning the other guy. I don't have a lot of good things to say about our former coach there. But uh, so, Jim, let me ask you this: Does baseball ever enter into the legal field, other than? <laughs> Representing Campy and his trials and tribulations. Do you ever have any baseball connections Eric? working as a lawyer? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Repeat that. Repeat that, Eric. I missed that. Okay. Do you ever working as a lawyer? Do you ever does baseball ever cross into your field? Uh, you know, except when Campy calls you for something. Does baseball ever enter into your your legal business? Do you ever represent anyone in baseball, or do you have any uh, anything going on that affects Major League Baseball that you work with? You know what? No, and part of the part of the reason is the money. There's so much money in baseball that that you people like, especially the teams end up having gigantic firms that charge fifteen hundred dollars an hour and have nine guys working on on their matters for them. And so a guy like me who is in a a sole practitioner with my own business, I sort of get left in the dust. You know, I, I'm never gonna never gonna represent General Motors. I'm never gonna represent the Dodgers. You know, I'm never going to represent, you know, uh, Google or anything. So it, it, I, I don't really get into that. Now, I, I will tell you, I almost, when I, in the early 2000s, and I'm not sure if you guys know this name, do you, do you know who Tony Antanasio is? Yes. He's, he, was, he was Ichiro's agent, and prior to being Ichiro's agent, he was an agent for a bunch of the Padres down in San Diego. Yes. And... And in, in the early 2000s, I had a client down there who was friends with him. And Tony, at that point, had let all, he was 
in his late sixties, he had let all his clients go except for except for Ichiro. He kept Ichiro, and he he expressed interest to my my other client about you know I, I kind of itching to maybe expand a little bit, but I don't have anyone working for me. And the guy said, I think I know someone who might want to do this. So I met with him. And then, you know, we, we had we had lunch and we sort of hit it off. So he brought me down a couple of days later and I spent the whole day in his office and we talked about what would you know what would happen and you know how it how it worked financially and all that kind of stuff. And then he brought me down again with who with my wife, who's now my, my ex wife. Um and we went and had a, a third day down there and I thought I was gonna be, you know, become an agent and be a partner of Tony Antanasio and he ultimately decided he didn't want to expand and the thing that really got to me, that like really depressed me later on, was he had told me that if if he, he decided to expand and, and took me on, he had a guy that a, a second or third year pitcher for the Padres that wanted to re, wanted Tony to represent him, um, and it was God, I can't remember his name. Um, who's the pitcher for the Padres? That ended up pitching for the Red Sox a little, but he had a great, he had a pretty good career, and it just recently. Let me, I'm gonna look it up on the computer real quick here. But the guy, the guy ended up sending, signing a six-year, ninety million dollar contract the next year after that. Oh wow! And you know, I would have, you know, and so I was, I was this close to being, to being an agent, and and that sort of, that was a tough one for me. So. I think that was about the closest I got to being back in the baseball world. But, right. you know, just just not there. Is that is, would, it, would that be something, though, that could sustain you? Uh, because that's, that's, a, that's a bitch, that, that agent thing. I mean, you got one guy, and you lose that one guy, and now you got nothing, right? True, but, you know... Uh, I would think that, you know, I would have enough confidence in myself that once we started that we'd be, you know, that things would take off. Now I could be wrong and we could have got killed. But, um, you know, I would like to think with, with Antonaggio's name and, and me, oh, by the way, it was Jake Peavy was the one that oh, we Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. So... That would have been nice to have Jake Peavy and, and, and Ichiro as, as clients. And that was, you know, that's Ichiro back in 2004 or 2005. Wow. So, so I probably would have had to learn to speak Japanese. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would have done it. It would have been, a, you know, yeah. it would have been a cool thing. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, so there's another example right there, Eric, of uh, Jim persevering even in – the legal, the, his new career in the legal field as a lawyer. Uh, you know, any parting words, Jim? I, I appreciate you staying on so long, man. You've been great today. Um, any, any final words for Eric or I before you uh, head off? Um, I, I think that's it. I, I'm glad you guys had me on the show. I, I hope that once you edit it, that you know there's more than five minutes of material for everybody. So. <laughs> oh, I'm not touching this one. You're golden, dude. Everything was great yeah. today. And uh, and I felt like you know that what what we're trying to do is is you know is is, is talk about things that are a little bit more than like the ball strikes the day to day baseball stuff which is fine I, we we love talking about that too but it's more I think we I think your story is very deep 
um, it, it, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it, it reminds me of, you know, a million different scripts we've seen over the years, like a Rocky script or a, you know, the, the, the underdog comes back and he wins the big fight. And, um, and, and that's one of the things that, you know, really impressed me about when we reconnected. Um, and again, yeah, you're, you're a smart ass, but, uh, you're also a, a really great guy. And, um, if you weren't a smart ass, you, you know, you wouldn't be as fun to be around. And so I love, love hanging out with you. We all love, uh, when you make fun of us in your super ultra, uh, smart and intelligent, witty way. And, uh, and, it, and then we can't come back at you cause we can't, you know, it's like, it's like you and Gillespie in an argument, like. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna argue with either of you guys. I'm not gonna win. Forget it. So, uh, so anyway, uh, really, really, again, blessed to uh, have reconnected with you, Big Jim, and and, and uh, I owe you lunch for this one too. Just, just like your legal fees, um, I'll, I'll pay you for your, uh, your, your, uh, <laughs> your podcast fee. Uh, so I'd well, love to I, grab lunch with you one of these days again, sir. I can just charge you my hourly rate if you want. No, no, I'd rather take you to lunch. I'll take you to lunch. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. I, I accept. I accept then. All right, man. Thanks again, buddy. I really appreciate it. And uh, and I will uh, I will I'll be in contact with you real soon. Thanks again, man. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it myself. Right. Thank you, Jim. All right. All right. Thanks, Eric. Bye. Right. Yeah, bye. Man, Eric, how great was that? That was fantastic. That was fantastic. So was I, I, hope I hope a lot I... of people listen to this. Yeah, but I hope I, when I teased it earlier, we had about a 15-minute little tease match there. I didn't want to let the cat out of the bag about, you know, when we talk about what perseverance means, you know, right. it's perseverance doesn't mean, I oh, I had a bad year, and then I came back and I had a, you know, a bad season like in baseball, and then I worked out really hard the next year. And, yeah, that's a, that's definitely a form of perseverance. Um, but, but, you know, when you look at it from what Jim had to persevere through, uh, and not just physically but emotionally, and, and, and what that does to you uh, mentally, you know, and for him to just admit that, you know, when he couldn't see the July 4th fireworks, like that, that triggered something inside, yeah. you know, that, that, that must have made him feel vulnerable for the first time, you know, it must have made him feel like I, I can't do what I used to be able to do. Um, and it, and it, and it finally just maybe over, you know, it finally just caught up with him and, and, and he had to, he just had to let it go and let it out. Uh, but that that was really great, and, and it, I, I don't know how how did you feel about the, like hearing that story for the first time? That was just amazing. I was, I was spellbound. Um, I liked when he said he was in the hospital and thinking about his playing days when he knew he wasn't going to play anymore, and how he could have worked harder. You yeah, know, I think that's the last thing most people would have been thinking about. That shows you, you know, the kind of guy he is. Well, and he also framed it in such a way like. You know, if I had worked a lot harder, I would have been drafted, and maybe I would have would have been drafted by another team. You know, and I think of the same thing. Like, I, I what if I didn't get drafted by the Mariners? I got drafted by I don't know, I don't know, like Kansas City Royals or something. I mean, my yeah. career could have been totally different. I would not be married to the woman I'm married to now. My kids would not have be my kids now. All of because who picked me on this one day in June in 1988? You know what I mean? It's it's a trip yeah. when you think about. You know what 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 would happen um, if certain just certain weird just one or two little things change in your life, you know and um, you know and I and I and I think I would been I would have had a lot more what if moments if it was me. Uh, yeah. I, I feel like I'm a pretty strong guy, but you know 
the, the what ifs, you know, my gosh, what what if I well what if I didn't hurt my arm and and I was a prospect as a junior, you know, and uh and, and, and would have been drafted as a junior. What if, you know, uh I thought I got a chance to play and, 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 and you know, I got picked up in the third round and I got money and I got to play real, you know, uh you know, all of these all of these questions I think are, are normal, you know, and I think a lot of yeah. people you know who who have gone through some some uh, challenges in their life, regardless of, of of what they were. A lot of times, that what if question enters your mind, you know. Right. Um, you know, and so so I I think that that you know, like understanding, like sort of how to be tough enough to get to get past that, and then and then and to, and to count your blessings. Like another thing that I took away from that is is and he told me this in, in when we met up the first couple of times that that survivor's uh, guilt, you know, right. that, that's often done when, you know, like one guy walks away from an airplane crash and everybody else dies, right? That, that's our, we usually know, you hear of that syndrome, something like that, or, or, or a guy like in a platoon and uh, everybody in the platoon gets shot up or, or, hit, or you know, died somehow and you walk away and now you feel guilty that you lived and they died. You know, for, for Jim to have that same sort of guilt I think that also talks a lot to his character because, you know, I hope you, I think you can hear that. You can hear that through his personality. He's, uh, you know, he's, he's a really super cool guy. Um, and, and you know that you're friends with him when he gives you crap, you know, when he, <laughs> when he goes and, and, and like, if, if you're wearing a shirt that he wants to make fun of, or like, he's not just going to say, Oh, that's a nice shirt there. Can't be like, he's going to dive into it. Like, you know, I mean, and, and he'll have something super witty to say, and uh, and again, that was sort of that was sort of you know even when he was a freshman, and he should have maybe been a little intimidated by the older guys or whatever. He he never did, and he stood up and he knew that his mouth was, you know, his tongue was was as, as sharp as a knife. And, and yeah, we we had guys that were just defenseless against Jim Henderson's tongue. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and 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 I think there's still a lot of people out there. That it's it it is that way as well. Um, and so, yeah, I think once again, um, you know, Jim going through you know, a couple of, of other, um, you know, unfortunately he lost his dad and I, you know, maybe, and, and I went to the, I went to a, a, one of the services, uh, not too long ago, uh, when, when you and I were hanging out, Eric in Arizona, yeah. um, and then, uh, most recently he lost one of his good friends and, and former teammates, uh, who was a, a, an actor, um, who took his own life from depression. Uh, and, and his name was Brody Stevens, um, and, and I got to meet Brody and hung out with him at Jim's 50th birthday party uh, not too long ago either. Maybe this was maybe just three or four months ago. Uh, it was during, I remember it was raining quite cold, so it was somewhere in the winter. Uh, Jim had yeah, I heard about Brody. Out. I know he, he played at Arizona State also. Yeah, before he, he did. Comedian. He did, and, uh, and he also, uh, they knew each other from uh, high school as well. Um, and, and they became really good friends. And I remember Jim would go see Brody's shows, like, you know, he, but these comedians, they go on at 11 or 12 or one. Yeah. Uh, and Jim would be out. Jim's a night owl anyway, but he would go out and, uh, and him and his wife, Megan, who, Megan's awesome. And, uh, and I always joke with her, like, like, did you have your eyes checked before you, you married Jim? Just, <laughs> just making sure. Cause you're a pretty good looking lady there. And, uh, well, like, like, you know, but Jim's, Jim's got that uh, again. The uh, he's got the, the the tongue. He's got that that ability to um, you know to uh, uh, you know 
I think he, he put her into a trance is what happened. I think that's not the only explanation. So, But uh, once again, uh, thanks again to Jim Henderson and his wonderful story on perseverance. Uh, Eric, you had any, uh, let, let's let everyone know, first of all, where they can get a hold of you. Yeah, you can get me. I'm on Facebook, Eric Renneberg. Uh, also on Twitter, uh, Doctor of Baseball, capital D-R of Baseball, or just put my name in there, Eric Renneberg. A lot of people reach out to me on Twitter. I'm surprised how often that happens. So just keep it coming. Cool. And then uh, I'm at uh, I'm at uh, Jim Jim Campanis on Facebook uh, at Jim Campanis uh, on Twitter. And then uh, Eric, we have like a little um, email that we'd love to you know have some have you guys uh, let us know if you have any questions yes. for us or qu- questions for guests. And uh, and that is at driving um in and it's driving. And then, like, the short for them is um, driving, E-M-I-N, driving them in at uh, yahoo.com. Um, and real quick, I wanted to also make a quick shout-out and thank you to our sponsor, Mac Weldon, the most comfortable underwear, socks, and sweats I've ever worn. And, Eric, That's I think truth. you can say the same. Yep. Yes, sir. Uh, and uh, one of the things that they've given me is a promo code so that we can offer our listeners a 20% off discount on their first order. So, it's real simple, Eric. You just go to MacWeldon.com. That's M-A-C-K, Weldon, W-E-L-D-O-N, MacWeldon.com. And then once you buy the stuff that you like, you put it in the cart and you go to pay for it. Uh, there's a promo code box, and you just type in Campy20, C-A-M-P-Y 20. That's Campy20, and it'll automatically calculate a 20% off discount. And uh, I got to tell you, these new sweat, uh, shorts that they've just come out with, uh, that's one of the things I want to I want to see. If we can get a pair of them over to you, Eric, so you can kind of be a little cooler out there in uh, lovely Phoenix in the summer. Yes, I'd love but to. These have. These, uh, these are called they're called four way shorts because they stretch all four ways, and so they make a pair of pants of these too. Um, they're called the Radius Pant, and uh, and I actually wore those on the plane out. I had a, a business trip last week, as you recall, to North Carolina. Uh, I had about nine hours of air, airport time and airplane time. And so I put on my radius, uh, my radius pants, and they were so comfortable. Plus, they have zippers, so my wallet was secure, and my and my phone, and my you know, and and, and it was just a, a real super comfortable flight. Um, and it was so comfortable that I actually washed them in the, one of the hotels, and I so I could have them for the ride home, for the flight home. Yeah. So, so so I wore them back and forth. What that told me is I actually need two pairs. That's what it, what that 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 told me. So. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to actually, yeah, I think I'm going to have to get on and, and use my promo code, uh, pick up another pair of, uh, of radius pants. But, but anyway, that's MacWeldon.com, uh, promo code campy 20. So Eric, another awesome show. And believe it or not, next week, it will be show number 10. Crazy already wow. in double digits. Yeah. And there's, this has been a blast. And if you guys don't, you know, if, if this is, this is what Eric and I would do. Just if we were hanging out, we would be talking baseball in person. That's right. Uh, Eric and I, you know, we've gone to like angel games and hung out at the, you know, the local place for happy hour and, and talk baseball and then go to a baseball game and then talk baseball afterward. Um, and, and it's always a pleasure, Eric, our conversations. And uh, I think it's real fun when we to bring on guests like we've had in the past, like, like, you know, Norm uh, or Daz talking about expansion. Uh, we had Jeff Cirillo on, competitive drive you guys check these shows out if you haven't heard them uh, we had mark merchant on um who was the pick behind ken griffey jr talking about the draft uh we had coach gillespie on um my old coach at usc and then he was at uci 
Hall of Fame NCAA coach talking about recruiting. And just last week, uh, oh, we had Isla Border on. Isla Borders, she was the first female pitcher, uh, female right. player uh, of any sort in, the, in professional men's baseball. And um, we had a major league batting coach and former major league hitter, um, Derek May, on last week. And we had a great conversation with him about about hitting and some of the dynamics and nuances, which, Eric, you know, you and I are, we talk about hitting and, and you know, we still think we could hit 95. I think I, I mean, right, we can, we can still hit 95, no yeah, problem, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, bring it on, I'll hit you. Um, that's that's part of the competitive drive that we have, right, Eric? You can't, that's right. You can't turn it off. <laughs> so, Andy, <laughs> I, I, ho- I hope you guys are uh, um, enjoying our, uh, our shows. We're going to keep doing this because it's fun for us. And hopefully it's fun for you guys. So uh, any closing uh, remarks, Eric, before we sign off? No, I'll just say, mentioning our guests, we, we have pretty unique guests. You and I have a lot of friends in baseball. And a lot of these guests you're not going to hear on other shows, at least not in the format that we, we use. So keep listening. And if you have any guest suggestions, email them to us. Yeah, and, and, and our guests have been so gracious with their time, too, and yeah. You know, but by the way, I think that would have cost us about two thousand dollars to have Jim talk that much if he was <laughs> our lawyer. <laughs> so, so I think we scored by, uh, you know, having him switch his conversation to uh, perseverance, which was a, I think, a great show topic today. And then uh, Eric, you and I will get together for our, uh, for planning some up, upcoming shows, and we'll share that with the public once we get those lined up. So, right. uh, I'll be on behalf of my good buddy Eric Landenberg. This is Jim Campanis Jr. Uh, signing off from Driving Them In, uh, a show that uh, Eric and I love to do while we're driving home from our work. So uh, until next time, we'll see you then.